May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all us, all of, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I love the detail that we sometimes get in um, in the Gospels. Jesus said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately she got up and began to walk. Now just in case you thought this was an incredible miracle because she was a very little girl and couldn't walk yet, then the Gospel writer goes on to put in brackets, she was 12 years of age, so you would expect her to be able to walk. And at this they were overcome with amazement that she could walk again. And Jesus thinks about her and what she needs and says, give her something to eat. Which both responds to her need, but also is a reminder that she is not a ghost. She is real flesh and blood and she is alive. She needs something to eat. When we hear or read a piece of scripture, there's a bunch of things that can happen. Sometimes we get really intrigued by a little detail and want to dive in and find out some more about that detail. Sometimes we uh, begin to imagine what would it have been like to have been there. Sometimes, and I guess I'm guilty of this as well, on a Sunday, it just goes, we can't even remember what the first reading was. (laughs) When we do read or hear a piece of scripture, there is a temptation to just take the words at face value and to interpret our life at that face value. But when we read scripture, the invitation is to go down, layer by layer, deeper into the text, and to learn from several different perspectives. Stephen's spoken about this, about there being three different ways of looking at a piece of scripture, and I like to think of it in terms of these three things. We look and explore what was happening for the people about whom the passages were written. So... In the first reading about that community in Corinth to which the letter was being written. And in the gospel reading, the two women in particular in this story, the one who was healed of this 20-year issue of blood and the young woman who was brought back to life. And her family and the people who were in the crowd and the disciples. So the first thing is looking at what was happening for those people. Then the second level of reading a piece of scripture is to imagine what might have been happening for the people whom the writers expected to either read or hear that scripture. So in terms of the Corinthians reading, that early church who for whom this was more than just a letter, just a kind of piece of paper on which words were written. This was something that was becoming a piece of scripture for them, a resource to go back and listen to or read again. So what might this letter, this piece that we heard from the letter today, be saying to those people? And in the terms of the gospel reading, the gospel according to Mark was written for a particular community, a group of Christians who lived at a particular time and those who came after them. And so we wonder why this story was being told and what perspectives on the gospel life are being shared with this community of people who are seeking to be faithful followers of Christ. So that's the second level at which we pay attention. And then the third level, of course, is for us today. 
What messages are present in the text today for us? And how is the word, with a capital T and a capital W, that name that we give to the Christ, what is the word challenging us to reflect on and integrate into our living in our own context today? It's quite a lot, isn't it? And so I'm going to do a little bit of that today, but the encouragement and invitation is for you to do that with, with, with Bible passages day to day in your living to reflect on them in that way, to wonder what, what was happening for the people who we hear about in the story, what, what is being, um, and, uh, what are the people for whom these were written down and kept and um, passed on being encouraged to think about, and what might we think about today. The Corinthians in this letter are being asked to contribute to the needs of the church in Jerusalem. So all of this talk about generosity and grace um, and being encouraged to give as well as others have given is a bit like us taking up a collection for mission work. Being told about what, what the need is and being encouraged to give from their capacity. But more than just being asked to give financial help to the church in Jerusalem, Paul is also inviting this Gentile Christian community to be engaged with and connected to the church in Jerusalem. So he's trying to break down walls, trying to create community across the churches, trying to build relationship between different communities so that they might be concerned for one another and, and be really keen to respond to one another's needs. As the church grows and the book of Acts becomes a scriptural text which people read as a resource for faithful living, this passage reminds the early church to be aware of their relationship with one another, to consider the needs of the whole church and not just to build their own cosy congregations. So I wonder what you might have heard in that text saying to us today. On the surface, of course, you might say it's a great text to be reading as we continue to consider our stewardship campaign. What might we be able to give in this coming year to enable the ministry in our own community and in the wider church? How are we being invited by God to reflect and review and reconsider what we can give in time and skills and in financial resources. But even more importantly, how will giving our time and our skills and our resources enable us to deepen our relationship with one another as the body of Christ? How might our giving, giving enable us to grow closer to God and more faithfully embody the Christ life? a little bit on Corinthians, I invite you to continue to reflect on some of those things and the other things that the Spirit brings from within for you to reflect on. In the Gospel today, we hear about two women. One is on the cusp of womanhood, the other in midlife. Both are in need of healing. One is the daughter of a respected member of the community. The other has lived for years on the edge of society because her medical condition makes her ritually unclean. 
And it's this one, the one who's lived on the edge for so long, who interrupts the progress of Jesus and his disciples, who are heading to the home of the important community member and his dying daughter. Both women need attention. And Jesus gives time to both of them in spite of the insistence that it's not possible to do so. So that's what's happening to the people in that story. What about those for whom Mark was written? Remembering that in Jesus' time, women had no legal standing. For the readers and the hearers of Mark's gospel, this story is a reminder that women matter. They are worthy of Jesus' time and attention. They have a place in the life of the church. And that the ones whom society overlooks are indeed people in whom healing and holiness, holiness can be found. Not only this, Mark too is encouraging his community to, to build relationship where there are walls put up, to consider those who society sees as important and those who society sees as refuse to be thrown away or ignored both belong within this community and to look forward to a time when all can gather around the table and all are equally, uh, all equally find a place. We of course in our time, in our context, are lucky to live in a time where it's much less of a battle for women to be heard and given space. However, there are still many people who the powerful ones of our community sideline or overlook. When are we like the disciples saying, don't be silly, there's so many people pressing in, just keep going, ignore them. When are we tempted to just move on and pay no attention? When do we want to be more important? And so will not give time to those whom society says are less important. When have we felt like we are the ones discarded and pushed to the side? How do we need to hear the voice of Jesus to feel the, the touch of healing that comes in those who are willing to live out the life of Christ in welcome and attention? As I read the Gospel this week, I couldn't help but think of the work of the Royal Commission on Historic Abuse, which is happening here in New Zealand, and the stories that are unfolding in Canada of the abuse of First Nations children in schools, some run by the Church. And hearing about these stories, more and more of them coming to light, it can all seem too much. It's really hard to listen to. The stories are horrific. The stories are embarrassing. The stories are not the topic for polite conversation. Some of us who have experienced abuse don't want to go there. We already have enough to be thinking about and processing. We don't want to hear any more horror. 
the ramifications for each of the individuals involved in these many stories, the ones that have come to light and the ones that haven't. The ramifications for them and for our societies at large are huge. So massive that we want to be like the disciples and push on, sweeping the detail to one side in order to get on to other supposedly more pressing concerns. We want to avoid, we want to hide from, we want to keep out of our view those stories for one reason or another. They are too overwhelming. And yet, the Christ calls us to pay attention. Through the writer of Mark, we hear that Jesus sets aside the societal uh, expectations of not paying attention to this woman who has come to him. He shows no concern for those purity issues, either in relation to the woman or to the girl, who, if she was dead, he also shouldn't go and see because of all of the restrictions that are there around being with a dead body. Instead, Mark shows us that Jesus pays attention. Pays attention to the suffering of the woman at the hands of so many from whom she had sought help. Jesus pays attention to the grief of the family and this girl who was on the threshold of womanhood. As we hear the story, we wonder, will the disciples win out? Will Jesus just move on? Will he stop? Will we stop and pay attention to the stories of those who have suffered at the hands of those who should have helped them? Jesus did stop. Uncertain, certainly at the beginning. But knowing that someone had deliberately touched him and he wanted to meet this person and to listen to her truth. So we need to make time to stop, to pay attention to the stories, to feel the horror, but also to bring all of the story into the presence of the Holy One to listen to the truth, but also to listen to the hope and the healing and the new life that is possible. Some of us need to find someone to tell a story to in order to move into this new life. We need to be vulnerable. We need to trust. We need to find those people who will embody the Christ for us and listen to our truth. In the Gospel reading, Mark leaves how the healing took place somewhat ambiguous. Was it the touch of Jesus in some mysterious, magical way that heals the woman? Was it Jesus' declaration that the woman was healed? Was it the fact for her of finally having someone listen to and hear her plight, attending to her fully? Or was it simply her belief that 
in Jesus she would finally be heard and healed. Or maybe all of the above. Whatever it was that caused the healing, the important message of the story is not so much how the healing took place, but actually that it did. The story, like the two women who are its subjects, wants to be heard, not explained. And that's quite hard for us, especially those of us who have been formed at a time where scientific thought is really important. We want to understand how it worked. But the story says, never mind that. Hear that it happened and hear how it transformed people. Hear how it built the realm of God. The sacredness of this text lies in what it celebrates. It celebrates that the human yearning for new life can find its fulfillment in being in connection with Jesus. When we choose to be Jesus' people, we are called to be bearers of that new life to others. Either in the way that we listen to one another, or in the way that we allow our story to be told. This means that we need to be ready to give of our skills, our time and our resources, to make sure that the voices of the overlooked and mistreated ones of our community are heard and their needs addressed. This means that we need to be willing to be vulnerable, open, to share our story where that is, where that is appropriate, to listen deeply. Of course, it might require a sacrificial giving of our time and skills and resources if we are to do this, but that is what the Jesus Life challenges us to. And in that kind of self-giving, we can find a deep richness of life. Jesus, though he was rich, yet for our sakes, became poor. So that by his poverty, and living into that poverty ourselves, we might become rich. So let us pray the collect again, allowing ourselves to be open to the healing presence of God and allowing that presence to lead us to provide the same kind of healing space for others. Healing God, you are life and wholeness. Transform our brokenness by your life-giving love and deepen our faith through Jesus Christ, our liberator, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.